8 p.m. I'm exhausted. I've been going all day, but that's all right. We, we make it go. We're still going. We get snakes breeding. I'm cleaning snakes, snakes before this, and it's a productive day. Brother, so what happened here? I b believe we just shot shot the live button, so we actually just started on live now. So I'll go ahead and get the introduction going here one more time. Yes, sir. <laughs> this is Jason Exotic. This would be our fourth episode. Thank you so much for joining us here today. If you did miss the intro, I do apologize. The live was a bit late or lag, so there is technical difficulties within the first episodes. Please bear with us as we do get connected. But I do appreciate the people that are connecting shortly as well. This is Jason Exotic Reptiles. Man, it's a pleasure to actually have you on, brother. Yes, sir. No, I'm happy to be here, man. Like I was saying, we've been talking for years. So it's, uh, and, and I got busy. We started to have a conversation about this a while ago. So I'm happy to be on. Happy we can make it happen and looking forward to tonight and uh, where we go from here, you know? Should be a good time. Absolutely, brother. Yes, definitely, definitely. Well, before we do get started, I wanted to get into the conversation of how we actually met and, you know, how we got into connection. Uh, Jason was actually a, a, a piece of hatred for my wife. Uh, she uh, had a certain feeling towards him because uh, she believed that he uh, pickpocketed his information or hid it in certain videos. Uh, but that was her perspective. I, I love the guy. And, and honestly, it was because maybe she was too annoyed of the fact that it was constantly on YouTube when I was coming home from work or constantly on my phone. Uh, but I understand where she came from. Uh, but man, that that uh, hatred piece to something that developed something further. And we, we purchased a snake uh, somewhere along the line within the past year. Um, we did uh, get into connection after that. Um, we spoke about some other animal issues and, and concerns that I had with other customers. And, and he was always a helping hand and, and continues to be a helping hand to everybody, not just myself. But yeah, man, that was our story and how we actually met. Um, but if you have anything to add, man, we'll go ahead and get started. Yeah, no, nothing. I mean, I think you covered it. And, and um, no, I, I hear your wife. And like I said, I feel like I'm, I'm an open book. I mean, I don't, I try to give, Everything that I do, and, and I say it often, is people are like, oh, you're hiding information or you're not telling what you're actually doing. I'm like, no, this is literally what I'm doing. Like, if you just follow my videos exactly, you're going to do exactly what I do. And and people think I'm, I'm lying about it. They think I'm hiding certain things, and uh, I'm totally not. If you ask me a question, I'll give you an answer. And <laughs> I, like I tell people, people come at me and they say, you know, don't you think that that's uh, you know, risky for the business that, that we're in. Like, do you want to give everybody your secrets? And I say, like, I don't care because if they listen, fantastic. They're going to have, they're going to have success. And if they don't most, or I should say it, most of the time people are not going to listen no matter what. So I could lay out everything I do to a T on how to breed things and be successful. And, um, at least with breeding boas and stuff like that. And, People aren't going to listen. Ninety percent of the people are going to pick and choose the information, and they're going to, you know, they're not going to be as successful as they could have. Uh, not to say my way is the only way, but it's the way my way works is like it's kind of all or nothing. If you pick and choose, it's not going to work, um, or it won't be as successful. So, um, yeah, I, I went off on a tangent on you, but but that's no man. It makes sense, you know, because a lot a lot of the conversations that you had on your YouTube were that and sim the simplicity of the steps that you laid out. But like you said, a lot of people don't follow them. <laughs> but it's still nice that you know somebody who who has that level of knowledge is still able to display it, you know, and give it to the public. 
it's honestly we're breeding snakes. It's not very difficult. It's it's really damn simple. What what the, what's wrong? Why people have challenges is they overthink it. They overcomplicate what we're doing. Um, yeah. You know, they read, they read their books and all these things. All oh, my humidity's got to be you know seventy five percent on the dot. Well, it's okay if it's sixty. It's okay if it's eighty. Um, they they just they overcomplicate. They overthink. They're interacting too much. They're always in there trying to change the conditions and screws up the whole deal. But it I don't does. want I don't want to hijack your your uh, your show here. So, no, man, it's it's very interesting to have that you know as well, man. To to see the 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 implementation of your your business is is, is a good connection to the audience as well. Um, so as we do get started, brother, this is a more of a spiritual entrepreneurship type of podcast where we see your secrets, your developments, what you still utilize, or if there's anything that you like to, to do, you know, religiously, not just a specific religion or, or a, a cult, but you can say something that you do religiously within your own routine, kind of like washing your teeth or putting your daughter to sleep every night and singing her a song, something specific that you do. Um, so that would be my first question to you, brother. Um, what are your spiritual practices or your daily routine that you implement if you do have any spiritual practice? Yeah, so I would say I, I you know, I, I, I joked about it with you before, but I'm probably, you know, one of the least religious spiritual people. I think there's, you know, there's something out there, but uh, I don't really practice anything spiritually. Uh, I don't take away from people who do. I mean, it's just not my thing. I've I've, uh, I, you know, I was raised Catholic and I studied a lot of different religions. It was actually my, my eighth grade uh, theology teacher who made us study, you know, all these different religions and uh, different, different, you know, spiritual rituals that people do all over the world. And it was enlightening to me. The realization that I had is every religion, for the most part, uh, thinks they're correct. And the other one is incorrect. And, and it's, uh, it was, for me, that was kind of the, the breaking point where I was like, all right, you know, maybe let me look a little bit into religious practices. And uh, by educating myself in them, I'm, I feel like I'm a real, very realist type of person. And again, I'm not taking away from anybody who is spiritual or, or who is religious. I'm just, it's just not for me. Uh, and I don't, you know, I don't really have any beliefs of that. But in terms of, you know, my, my daily rituals, it's, I, I wake up, I check my emails, uh, I hang out with my with my kid for a little bit in the morning and uh, you know, eat some breakfast. I try to eat some breakfast with them. Let the dogs out and go to work. Uh, I do that. You know, I work most of the day and I see see my son a little bit during the uh, during the evening when I get out of work. And then I'm usually downstairs uh, with the snakes. I'm checking things. I try to get into every cage uh, and I just kind of come down, look at the room. Make sure nothing smells. If I see something, if I if I smell something, I go start inspecting cages and start cleaning things, and that leads to another hour or so later. Um, then I'll hang up with my wife for a little bit. This is my current rituals. These have changed since I've had a kid over the past year. Uh, then you know I'll just eat some dinner with the wife and maybe watch some TV, and then go to bed and do it all over again. Weekends are a little different. I try to try to break things up every week, uh, either a Saturday or a Sunday. I'll have my guys come over now and we'll clean, we'll clean the cages. Uh, and I try to take a day for myself, but that doesn't usually happen. And then checking emails and, and messages throughout the day because they, they just start to pile up. I mean, I'll look at, it, it got overwhelming at one point, uh, which is why I started the Patreon is I tried to focus, you know, if you have a real question, you need to get answered, 
join the Patreon and I can, I can focus my time. If I see a Patreon message, I'm going to answer that no matter what. There are people who have kind of committed to that next step. But at one point, I mean, I was getting anywhere from 20 to 100 messages a day and I wasn't responding to them and I was missing customers who wanted to purchase animals. I was missing, um, I was just, I was missing past customers who had questions on their animals. So I had to try to find a way to streamline that. I just didn't have enough time. It's just me. And uh, YouTube really increased the visibility in a great way because it, it increased sales, but I also get a lot of questions, which I don't mind answering. I just don't have time. I actually enjoy answering mm -hmm. questions. I just, I'm, I was out of time. So that's why I started the Patreon, hoping that that would funnel it. Uh, so I, I, again, even on my website, I have a questions answer or a question and answer type of uh, way where you can submit a question, but I still encourage people to, you know, if, if you just need long-term help or care, join the Patreon, join for three bucks a month and I will answer as many questions as you want. Join for 25 bucks a month and you're in a community chat where we're talking you know, like this for an hour and I, I'm literally just rattling off questions. We're building a community. Other people are answering questions. And then if people want like really one-on-one, -on -one, which has actually been really fun, uh, then, you know, that's another tear up. But I have half hour and one hour calls where it's just like this, except we're talking about whatever you want. I mean, I have, I had one guy who we would spend a whole hour. He would say, Hey, I'm looking for this animal. We would spend a whole hour on morph market, looking at the potential animals, what I saw valuable in certain ones, uh, what I did not like about some that he was presenting and just totally unbiased. I'm just here to help. So that's, I kind of went way off on a tangent of, uh, you know, how my day goes, but basically my day just is always filled with stuff. So answering questions and emails is a huge part of my day and I just pepper it in throughout. So that's, that's where I get, that's where I get kind of backlog is, uh, is answering the questions, the emails and, I just started a Discord, which I don't know if it was a good idea or not. <laughs> I don't know what a Discord is yet, but it was it was brought up in the Patreon, and they're like, "Yeah, we should do a Discord." I'm like, "I can't, I cannot have any more things to check throughout my day." Again, I wake up, I spend probably a half hour to 45 minutes checking my Instagram messages, checking my Facebook messages, YouTube comments, um, Patreon comments, and, and questions, and and like. By the time I'm done with that, it's a half hour, 45 minutes go by. Always showers yeah. in between. I don't, I don't go a whole week without showers. <laughs> yeah, man, you do need a shower at least daily. I would say with snakes or cleaning snakes, you, you get to get a foul smell right after. Yeah, yeah, usually twice a day. Usually like once in the morning and once when I'm done cleaning all the snakes because I don't know, that, that's just me. Yeah, man, that's the way it should be, <laughs> man. Well, you do have a well, you could say a routine that you're constantly keeping up with your work. Uh, but in regards to like something spiritual, um, um, did you by any chance happen to use any tactics when you were young, like not doing certain things because they were superstitious or certain things that defined your persona, the certain way that you walked, you know, that that you moved um, that you still look back and say, oh, like I still do that or that mannerism is still stuck with me. When I was younger, I would say I was maybe a little superstitious, uh, but that was kind of inherited from the people around me in you know, the environmental conditions. Uh, I don't think I really have any superstitions now. Again, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm just a really real in the moment type of person. And uh, I don't really, again, I, I'm just kind of like, this is, this is life. I mean, 
I guess you could say it's spiritual in a sense. Like I heard something somewhere, but everybody said, you know, it was something like what, what the past is a memory and the future is a thought. The only thing that's real is right this second. And Mm -hmm. I just love that because when you, it kind of puts life in perspective. Uh, And as I get older, some of the things I struggle with mentally are time. Time is the most valuable thing I have because I can't buy it. I can't get more of it. Uh, time and health, obviously, I mean, those go hand in hand, but um, it, it's, 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 I guess in some sense you could say that that's maybe spiritual, but it, it's, I've been trying to become more conscious of my time and use it wisely because it's something that if I'm sitting there on Instagram flipping through reels for an hour, like that's an hour of my life. I can't get back, but it's with, you know, with reptiles and with social media, uh, you know, trying to grow a business, it's an essential part of it. I'm not, not just flipping through reels. I'm, I'm supporting other people like yourself and, and I'm just trying to see what other people are interested in. Instagram has a funny way of showing what you're actually interested in versus what they show you. Uh, I'd say 90% of the stuff I see on, on, on my feed now is like, how did this even get here? I'm not in, like, I'm not interested at all. I'd rather see your content or are other people that I support and like, but they seem to bury that in all the other crap that's out there. Uh, again, I'm way off on a tangent. I don't know how I got here, but uh, no, man, you're, you're totally fine. It, it, it is, it is the, uh, the routine that you keep and, and what your practice is. I mean, it, it, to me, that's more spiritual than, than anything. And that's what I like about, uh, personalities that have seen the past or have seen the culture. And, and you said you grew up as a Catholic. Um, so you, you did the practice. Did you by any chance become initiated like the whole catechism stuff? And, and yeah, so you went through the entire thing and you yeah, know yeah. what it is. Yeah. So, so ha- I'm sorry, brother, go ahead. No, no, absolutely. I went to a Catholic school for, for 12 years. The, my, my elementary middle school and high school was Catholic. I just, I, again, I think I felt like the more I learned about it, the more I didn't believe in it. The more I was like, I understand why people do. And that's a whole topic for, for a, a, a different I – could, I could go way down a rabbit hole in that. I, get myself, I understand why people do it. I, my, my, my wife is religious and my wife's family is spiritual. My brother is religious, uh, uh, you know, Catholic and Christian. And uh, it's just not me, not for me. I – Again, I, I, the realization that what you remember or your memories are, or the past is a memory and the future is a thought. There's something about that stuck so, so strongly with me. It, it, it's almost like that quotation where it says, um, is there anything you can do about it? No. Can you do, change it in a previous time? Um, no. So what can you change? Nothing. So it's like it's a constant circle just of development and, and nothing is concrete. So like that's what that's what I felt like with what you were saying, and I can feel your perspective. I went to Catholic school for one year at a, a school called Our Mother of Sorrows, but I went there because I had uh, school problems. I was always moving from home to home with my father uh, before he passed away, and I the last school that I went to, um, I got into an altercation with another kid, and and we got into a fight, and I was told that I was expelled from that school, and and that was constantly my road. Um, when I got to Catholic school, I knew the the road of, of you know, like being out on the street and, and what I focused on and how I navigated my life. So when I got to Catholic school, it was like 
it was a shock. Like these kids are pricks. Like I, I really was pissed off at just looking at these kids because I was like, you're really going to act this way. Are you really going to be a hypocrite and just continue to live on your life and think that everything is perfect? Like I'm not hating on any religion whatsoever, but those are the things that I experienced in my childhood. You know, like it's like they weren't mean or bullies, but they were so, so smart for their own good. You know, like they, they just use it to manipulate their own situation to with the teachers or their parents. And it was sadistic to a point where I was like, shit, like this religion is fucked. <laughs> with, with a lot of stuff, I just try not to, I just, I don't know. I feel like my time is so valuable that I, I don't even overthink stuff. I don't really get mad. I rarely will get mad. And if I do, my, my grudge is gone in like five seconds. Like I just, I don't have enough time in my day to worry about that. I, I get so many important things, so many awesome things in life that I could be thinking about that somebody who pissed me off or, uh, you know, somebody who's bothering me or a comment on Facebook or social media that's like negative towards me. Like, I just don't even pay attention to it. I yeah, man, there's important shit to worry about. Exactly. But what I was pointing to is like your your previous life, you know, as, a, as you went through that, that childhood as a, as a Catholic school, you saw those things up from hand. So you know how it is because you saw the hypocrisy. You saw it with your own eyes, like everybody's against each other and everybody just wants to be a part of something. Like it's comprehensible. Like if it makes you feel better, if you're, it's going to keep you in, in your sane shoes and by all means, go ahead and practice it. I'm not by any means putting anything down uh, because I do myself practice, you know, a cult, uh, but it's more of the elements of earth. Um, I, I use that more as my meditation because I see that as a part of me or my, my, my true nature of where I come from. So it's something that really stuck with me. And, and I like to share it with people with you, like you, you know, because you've seen different perspectives. And, and I want to ask, you said you've seen a variety of, of religions. Like what were the things in theology that you studied? Uh, aside from the the uh, the religious factors of Christianity, Buddhism, like, did you see any esoteric practices? Not really. No, it was it was you know a lot of the main the the, the main religions, the ones that when you think religion come to mind, uh, at least for me, uh, you know, Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, the different uh, different types of, of Catholicism, uh, you know, and, and again, I think what turned me away from it. What is interesting, though, from a from a spiritual religious perspective, they all have a central type of thought process. There's always like some type of a central thought, except for Buddhism, although Buddhism kind of does. I, I, I'm no Buddhist expert. Uh, you know, I, I, I do think, you know, energies and, you know, transformation, I, I think that that is pretty real. Uh, you know, I'm. I, I know a lot about physics and I'm an environment, environmental engineer uh, by you know career and physics is something that always fascinated me is that you know the balance of energy and uh, I, I, I am a huge proponent of there is always a balance of something so so you are familiar with the double split theory right maybe I don't know probably so it was a theory. It was a theory of like the dead cat, like the perception of actually looking at the cat and thinking that the cat is dead inside of the box. And the guy said that unless you give it the visual effect, meaning that until your eye or the optic eye sees the cat dead in the box, regardless if you think that it's not there or not, if there is a cat in the box, the conception of it being reality is still 50-50 because you don't know until your eye sees it. And how they figured it out is because they laid a square sheet of metal against a light beam 
and they microed or they they somehow reduced the light beam that was being shot through the the plate of, of metal and they figured that when they were looking at it where there was a uh, perception uh, that the the lights were interacting a certain pattern like they would be straight or they would be flat but when they figured that there would be nobody looking at it or it wasn't being recorded the lights interacted in a different way where there was endless possibilities the lights were just flashing everywhere and that wasn't measured by a recording it was measured by the frequency of light how fast it traveled through the, the splits and they figured that when your eye is looking at something because of reality or how you perceive it in your mind, that that thing that you perceive becomes a reality. And that's what the double split theory is in, in physics. So, so I, I was not aware of that, but I, I, I mean, I'm aware of the concepts of that. And yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting when you when you look at things at that level, uh, you know, removing religion. Again, the thing I didn't like about religion is they're all somewhat different. And they're all basically, if you don't believe in this religion a thousand percent, uh, you're, you're against us. You're either for us or against us. I mean, it's that concept to me destroys the, the beauty of what a religion could be is I think there's a lot of great principles and, and things that could come out of religion. It's, it's when you get that kind of extreme perspective it, and when you look at religion at its core, uh, at least most of them, it is kind of an all or nothing. You can't really pick and choose. Uh, it's you're either this or you're not. And you either believe in everything about it or you don't. And I think a lot of modern day people kind of try to pull in. Well, I'll, I'll, I believe in these five things, but I don't believe in these these other five things. And well, then you can't really say that by the by the definition of this religion, that you're this religion. You're mm -hmm. maybe have maybe you share those beliefs, but to, to really be a good Catholic, for instance, you need to believe in some fundamental principles. Uh, so I would say that maybe you have Catholic beliefs, but are you Catholic? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's that's uh, for somebody else to decide. I, I'm just not versed enough, well enough in that to really speak on it. But that's my interpretation is religion is all or nothing. You can't pick or choose. You can pick or choose beliefs from all of them. I could say, you know, there's this Muslim belief and this you know, this Hindu belief and there's this Christian belief and I like all of them, but does that make me all three? I don't know. Uh, you know, I just think that that could say I'm a religious person, but to call myself Christian or whatever uh, doesn't make sense. But in the big picture, I think there's something, something out there. What is it? What is, is it a God? No, I think it's more of like a, a life form and like the movie Avatar. It's a perfect, not, I haven't seen the new one, but the original Avatar, I'm like, this. I could get in with this. Like, there is, there's a balance of everything. When something dies, something grows. Uh, so I, I, I believe in that type of stuff, but not necessarily a religion or a spiritual way. There's just a definitely. balance of everything. A tree dies, it grows through life. Definitely, definitely. It's a circle of life the way I see it. You know, Simba. You know, it's, it's always like the Lion King. But <laughs> as big day as it, it, it is, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's a circle of life. And, and that's exactly what I would like to touch base with you, brother, just to give you a little small perspective. I'm not instilling into anything into you just so you can see uh, a different uh, version of what I see in religion through my eyes. Um, so what I practice is Santeria. And what you were saying is there is a circle of life or the representation of what happened previously through that karmic effect that you had. So um, what they believe is or what we believe 
is that um, there is a constant repercussion for what you do, not meaning that if you do good, you're going to get good back. Um, sometimes the doors that have to be closed are the bad ones so that the good ones can be open. So in, in that being said, that bad things can necessarily be good in the long run um, because there has to be a, a balance in, in the universe as what they believe. So what happens is that they follow this uh, almost like a, a – uh, practice with food and, and matanza. So what we practice is about 90% of uh, vegetables and flowers and fruits and different types of, of um, roses and, and, and uh, like beautiful bonnets that are reserved for the, for the deities or given at rivers or specific locations like the mountains or in, in front of the ocean. And what they believe is that when that offering is given with that energy, because they clean you with everything that is being offered to the deity as a representation of earth, once you release, release it onto the spot, meaning if you leave it in the mountain or if you leave it up in, in the ocean, um, what they believe is that an animal is going to somehow get to that piece of food or digest it or somehow it's going to affect or have a ripple effect. Um, and a good explanation of it is if, like, let's say I leave an offering at a bank or a bottom river and there's a turtle that comes by and, and starts eating on the pineapple. And as the turtle leaves, uh, the, he stomples upon a deer. The deer happens to get a bit startled and he runs a different path so he ends up in a road um, in the road there happens to be a car previously with uh, two kids and in a family um, because the the deer was passing by the the, the actual uh, bridge the family couldn't get to an accident that was uh, meant to happen for them but because the deer happened to you know stumble upon the car that is what happened so what I'm getting to is that there's a karmic residue within everything that you do within Santeria. So when you leave it, like let's say you leave that offering, um, it's going to affect everything around you, not just yourself, but it will affect every everything around uh, what you live in and what you believe in and what you how you carry yourself with your spirituality. Um, I think that it's more like a blessing. Um, I don't practice the whole spectrum of, of what they believe. I, I, I'm a spiritualist. As a child, I, I, I was considered what, what is seen, uh, uh, I can't say medium, but I would have visions or, or premonitions of events. And I had psychologists see me and, and I, I would have situations where I, I almost like told the future, but in a sense, it had a connection with what I'm practicing. And that's kind of with what you were saying, brother. It's like the circle of life, you know, in my perspective. No, I, I can totally dig it. I mean, it, it's um, just from the, the fundamental of like every action has equal and opposite reaction. Uh, and that, yeah, I mean, there, I, karma in a sense, uh, you know, karma is something that I would say is, is probably I would believe in the most as the word of karma, where if you do, but in, in all in, instances, like just because, you know, there's good and bad and you know, if you leave a pineapple in the riverbank, that's going to feed something and it could cause another reaction. Uh, you throw a cigarette butt into a pool of toads. I mean, I don't think of karma in that sense, but there's a reaction from that. Uh, so, you know, I do think that there's there's consequences to every action, whether that be a good or a bad consequence. It's going to spark something as a result of it. Uh, now, it sounds like what, what you practice is, is a, you know, is a little more spiritual in the sense where there is some beliefs of, of a ritual involved in that. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I, you know, I think just the action of, 
you know, everything will have a ripple effect. Everything we do will have a ripple effect. This this podcast will have a ripple effect, or, or this this live stream will have a ripple effect of something. What that is, I don't know. Uh, that's for not for me to decide, but something will happen as a result of this. So I I can totally get on board with with that. And I guess in that sense, if that is spiritual, then yes, I am spiritual in that sense of, um, you know, everything will have an, an effect. It's I just you know I try to be nice to people. I try to be nice about people, and uh, just from a mood perspective. And in a again, I'm going a little off topic, but I feel like it's in the same sense as if you if you treat people if you treat people with respect uh you may not get respect back all the time but over time it it pays off as long as it's treating people with respect when you're self selflessly doing it you know giving somebody a compliment not hoping they're going to give you something back giving somebody who needs money money not hoping they're going to give you something back just because uh just because it you you should it's you know it's the right it's the right thing to do because they need it and you don't. Uh, give somebody food because they need to eat. Give an animal food because it needs to eat. They, there's a ripple effect to that. As Absolutely. long as you know, can't can't be doing it with a, you know, hey, I just gave this person who needed money a hundred dollars today. Well, like, that's not selfish. That's for your own selfish desires because you said you wanted to do that. It's egoistic at that point, and, and that's a that's something funny that you touch based on because I have that conversation with my spouse a lot of times where I'm like, you know, please please don't tell what you saw, like just just keep it silent because like it's if you if you say it's more like it's not that uh, that I grow my ego, but to myself I rather keep my 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 blessings that I give other people silent, you know, like it's not something that I like to publicize or talk about because i feel like like you're saying man i love to live in the moment now i'm not saying that i always did or think this way or maybe i still don't you know everything changes constantly <laughs> so it's it's a constant reevaluation like you're saying man and and that's awesome that you take that perspective as well bro like you're saying you have a very compact schedule so how do you combine your work balance with your spiritual practices or your business meaning so now you that you laid everything out it might be like a two-part question um, being that you have certain things that you do in the day, you wake up, you check your emails. Is there anything in between that you say that you do maybe talk to your wife or consult with yourself or have like 30 seconds to yourself or you just like concise and like have a break or do you use maybe that time for YouTube or what is it that you do? I cry in between. Um, <laughs> it's something that I do as well, brother. And it started probably in the, when I started watching your videos. <laughs> you know, I, I think we all have, have vices, you know, in one sense, checking my YouTube and my messages is my break from the day. Uh, you know, most of my day is say work, but I really feel the reptiles as a hobby and interacting with people on Instagram and Facebook and, uh, and responding to YouTube comments, sometimes it becomes a chore and it is work, but a lot of the times that is that is my vice. That is what I do to get away from work. So I may be working, you know, I don't know, 7.30 to 6.30, but over the course of that day, I may check my phone a couple times. Um, I try to find that balance because it can get distracting. So I, I've, I'm just, you know, I try to actually just put it in another room. So there'll be times when I don't, don't see my, my messages and people will get mad at me. Uh, they'll, you know, they'll send me a whole bunch of messages with question marks. And it's like, dude, I, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, like, and if I do, I might have my phone, but I'm, I'm answering 
you know, 15 other messages before I even see your message. Um, so today was a good example. I, I just needed to be productive. I didn't even have my phone on me. It was, I was painting an apartment and I put it in the kitchen drawer and I actually, when I left the house, I'm like, where did I put my phone? I had to go look for it. But I was, you know, throughout the day, I picked it up and checked on it to make sure there's nothing, nothing major. You know, my wife's fine. There's no crazy text messages. The sky isn't falling. My house didn't, you know, nothing happened to it. Um, but, but I would say checking social media, as much as I hate social media, that maybe is my vice right now. Uh, I also, you know, some, I'm at work. I'm fortunate that I do work from home most of the time. Uh, I used to travel a lot with what I do and, and I used to work in an office, but COVID changed that. And even before COVID, I started working remotely, but I'll go see my son and you know, I'll spend five minutes with him. I'll feed him some blueberries or something while he's eating in the kitchen and I'll go back to work. And that will be, that will be my vice for the day. Uh, it, my life's changed a lot. My, my son is almost a year old. And since he came, my life has changed significantly. It really has put a lot of things in perspective, having a, having a son and, or just a kid in general. Um, but, but that's, that's what I think changed my perspective on time a little bit more and time management. And I try to be as productive as possible with the time that I have, because I find myself, you know, in the morning, I do try to spend some time with him. And then I, there would be days where I don't see him at all, you know, and he'll be in bed before I see him again. Uh, there'll be days that I wake up before he's up and I am away until he goes to bed. So it'll be whole days where I don't see him at all uh, or I'll be traveling for work. So I try to I try to spend as much time with him and my wife as possible when I have it without, you know, derailing my progress on work or what I'm doing all within the, the realm of what I need to. So, again, I do try to take like a Saturday or a Sunday that I try to tune out of the social media and I try to tune off of things like that. I will still check throughout the day. I try to turn work off in my mind and I, I just try to focus on them the best I can. Yeah, man. Well, that, if that's your vice, like you're saying something that you use for yourself or for your own time, then that's, that's a good, it's a good thing to do. You know, kids do need a lot, a lot of time. I'm, I have two girls of myself, a four-year-old and a, and a six-year-old. So my eldest is, is going to school and my youngest is about to start kindergarten next year. So she has a bit of an attachment to moms. Um, you know, we both work from home and, and as well, it's, it's a bit of a conversation during the day, you know, let's keep that voice down. We're on the phones or we're talking or, you know, it's like a, it's a, it's going to be good for her because she needs that time to develop her social life and being at a school. Um, my daughter thankfully didn't start school until after the whole COVID thing happened. But some of the kids that, that did start kindergarten during the COVID era, you know, they, they had to be home with their tablet and, and doing school from home. But I think that that social in, interaction is very, very needed. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, in vices, I mean, I guess the snakes, like there'll be times where I'll just I, I got to go clean snakes. And to me, that is, that is as much of a chore as it is. It's kind of like a mental break for myself too, is I'll just come down clean snakes. Now that I have a couple guys that, that work here, uh, having them over is I enjoy them. I enjoy the goal was they would do it so I could free up time to do other stuff. But uh, I kind of enjoy working down here with them. I think it's uh, in having the conversations with those guys. And uh, I don't really, get out to spend a lot of time unless it's literally with work or with my family. So in terms of friends, 
I've moved to the middle of Connecticut, so I don't really have any friends around. Uh, but I enjoy seeing them. I'm just kind of, I'm always so busy. Uh, I'm always, there's always something in my day that is kind of uh, prevents me from, you know, going back to Boston or going to New York or seeing, you know, seeing family and friends in that sense. So I enjoy when they come here. And uh, But otherwise, my, my typical vice really is social media responding to questions, comments, and uh, and answering people, I do, I really do enjoy it uh, when it doesn't become overwhelming and then interacting with the animals, whether that's just cleaning them or giving them water or holding them just for, you know, a couple minutes a piece, just checking them out, looking at how they, how they react and interact with them. I think that's something special. Why, why I keep reptiles in general. Absolutely. Yeah, it is almost like a therapy, man. And that's something that I use as a vice as well. It's like it really does help to, to lean off the day and settle your, your mind and just the interaction overall. I think it's 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 a blessing to have, you know. Yeah. And it's evolved in some sense. You know, it's it's um, I, I used to keep things as you know strictly as pets. And I still like to think everything here is my pet. But there's also a business perspective to it which is something that I can't forget either. And uh, in every cage, every square foot costs something and there is a business component to it. So it, it needs to have that balance. Uh, I am at the level where I don't need to breed everything. You know, I, I breed animals when they're ready. I don't force things. And I, you know, I've said it a few times on my videos and in other you know forums, but there was at one point when I made reptiles my business and, or I was trying to make it my business and an animal died when it ovulated. And my first thought in my head was, damn, I can't get the babies from that. I really needed them to make money. And that was when I just made a hard line of, I will not make reptiles my business because I should have thought damn, that animal that I really cared for died. That should have been my first thought and not the afterthought. And the first thought was, oh, I needed that money from those babies. I really needed those babies. And that when I heard myself literally, you know, I repeated that in my head and I instantly said, something's wrong here. That's, that goes away from why I started this, what keeps me passionate about this. So I decided to never officially make it my business unless I was at such a large scale that I could still maintain that. Uh, and I could still maintain that same mindset of these are my pets. And I have some breeders and whatever breeds breeds and whatever doesn't doesn't. And either way, I have so many animals, I'm going to be fine. But that's also a lot of work too. And uh, I mean, I would probably need to make four or five times the amount of room that I have now, four or five times the amount of animals. It's just not something I want to want to get involved in. And the mind is very powerful, man. Like you were saying, like it, just because you were thinking, you know, the, the, this is going to make me money, but that involves pressure. And the mind is very strong. Like in my perspective, it's like when you say something, it, there's always going to be a contradiction because the mind always goes against itself. So the moment that you said, okay, I'm going to breed because I need to make this money, because you you put that into the universe, you're, you're kind of like cutting your own throat. You know, saying like this is this is only for the materialistic output. Output. And the way I see it, it's like nature's always watching. <laughs> no, but there's there's a lot of people out there that do that. Is is literally they only breed for the profit, and and I think it's a terrible way to do it. I can't knock them, but uh, you know there's people that that come into this with a thousand percent business mindset. They've never had a snake. Their only desire is to make money off of them, and uh, I can't knock it. it. It's necessary, but I don't know how 
and they actually a lot of them do really do very well with that but it's just not something that not a person i would buy from uh, and i won't drop names i'm not going to drop names but uh, it's just not a person i would buy from it's not my deal i like people who are passionate about it first and then grow it into a business uh, but but there's a lot of people try to come in with that mindset ball pythons are a great example i'm not knocking ball pythons but ball pythons were one of those things where people said hey i like snakes i can make this a business they didn't realize that it is a business like it's not it's not like oh i like snakes and i'm just going to put some snakes together and make money like no you have to treat it like a business you have to advertise you have to contribute you have to treat it like a business like any other business i could go and buy a bunch of coffee i think i was saying you know buy a whole bunch of coffee machines but that doesn't mean i'm a barista i don't know how to work them um, <laughs> i have to put i have to put effort into that and a lot of people think like just going to buy some snakes i'm going to put some cleaning effort but that's it but no they you got to be able to sell things and that's yeah, a and it's crazy, man, that uh, you say ball pythons because I don't keep ball pythons, but that's sadly what I sell the most. <laughs> and I'm always buying, you know, from other breeders and I resell here in town. So it's it, it goes good with ball pythons, but I don't like them to keep them, man. I, I just, I, I thought about it and I'm really on my head for pines and, and to, to actually start some projects. I might start some projects with people here in town here within the next month, but um maybe Lucy's or Pied's, but to keep myself, I don't think so. And I love that, that adrenaline rush that I'm, a, I'm an adrenaline junkie for sure. <laughs> no, I, I, I like ball pythons. It's, um, I, I was just in it for the wrong reason. I used to have a lot of ball pythons, hundreds of them. I was again, just, just in it for the totally wrong reasons. Uh, if I were to get another ball python, it would probably be just an albino ball python. Because to me, that was at the time that, I was getting introduced to ball pythons. That was like the holy grail of ball pythons. Or that was like the holy grail of snakes, like an albino ball python. What? <laughs> like to see an albino ball python was ridiculous. So I always remember that. And that would probably be the only snake that I would have as a ball python again is get the albino because of mentally what it brings back for me. The memory of it was a video of I think it was National Geographic and like Dave and Tracy Barker were breeding an albino ball python. And it was, I don't know, 2001 when it came up. And I already had ball pythons, but I'm like, that's an awesome ball python. And that was that was before we had all these combos. It was like single genes. Nobody knew what two combos would do. Nobody even thought about making two combos. It was just like, let's just make more albinos. There was nothing else to breed it with. I mean, there was other stuff, ghosts and things like that. But it wasn't, it wasn't a really a market. So that was right at the cusp of it becoming a market. Yeah, man. But at least you you heard yourself to the point where you're like, hey, I'm getting greedy. Like I should like reel it back and actually focus on what I really wanted. Like we like you said, man. It was really just the love of the animal. And and to me, I've always been a fond of all all types of animals. But like reptiles really hit something at a certain part of my life where it was like shit. Like there's a change here. Like. Like I've learned so much from them just by interacting with them. Like they're teaching me so many lessons within my life, and and this is this is my dream, man. I, I haven't really shared it with anybody uh, other than a couple people here and there. But I, I was uh, in a program called Youth Build, and this uh, program was for kids who were dropouts from high school, who were homeless, or who were parents. And for one week, I would build houses for low-income families out in about a. a hour away from my town and for the other week i would work for my high school diploma 
And um, during that period, my wife was pregnant as well. And, and we were both going to this program. My wife was, was with the belly, you know, shooting hammers and, and learning how to frame. And um, that was a program that really helped me through the depths of my darkest time in my life where, I mean, I'm still young. I'm 25, 26 this month. But um, I felt like that was a really, uh, it was a helpful program. And unfortunately, it dissolved here in Tucson, Arizona. It's no longer, you know, open. But my, my thought is, is if we can incorporate a museum or some type of sanctuary, and the name would be Camp Green Lake, as from the movie Holes, you know, the kids who were troubled, kids who were, you know, always into trouble, went to this place called Camp Green Lake. And I would want to incorporate the reptiles, you know, make them clean the shit, make them feel the pain or the, the actual struggle of wanting to breed so that they can focus in their real life. And, and that's my, my, my giving to, to, to not just me, but uh, kids, you know, because that's, that's where the foundation starts, I think. High school are, is very important. And those f four years define who you are as a person. Um, I went through a lot of bullshit. My dad died when I was 16. I was homeless for about a week. I was attempting suicide and doing a lot of things. But that was what changed my pa my passion, you know, the, the, the animals. And that's what I think if I can give that to other kids who are in the same shoes that I was, that would be my greatest purpose in, in life. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I appreciate you sharing. I mean, that, that's a... I think it's awesome. Um, I think a lot of people have a similar story, to be honest. I, I, I really feel strongly that it is, that is where a lot of people start. A lot of people who are really passionate about reptiles started, was there was just something about them that it, they connected with it, and it gave them some kind of feeling that helped them through something. And it, it was just that moment that it stuck. And, and some people just think they're cool. Uh, you know, some people just do it because they think other people will think they're cool. But a lot of people at the same time have that similar type of uh, experience that you had, I think, at least. And um, again, whatever happened in their life, they interacted with this animal at this point and it helped them through something and they just became more passionate about it. Or at least got to enjoy that animal for what it was and they remember that experience and they, they take a liking to it. So I think that's awesome. Definitely, man. I appreciate that, man. I, everybody has their story and, and the people that you meet, you know, show you their stories and, and along the road, it's kind of like it's a reflective vision of you. Like you're looking in the mirror to some point, you know, and there's a lot to assimilate from people, almost like that, recipro that reciprocation of energy. Like you're saying, if you don't feel a certain connection with person, then then why continue the conversation? You know, I, I get to the point where I'm, I'm not offensive to people, but I, I'd be like, this is it like i'm sorry but i gotta go like it's busy like i have to do something else because i, I don't like to entertain that energy you know it's like it's it's sadistic to me and it, it it's not productive at all no and i mean to that to that earlier point I, I think that there's there's just so much cool good people in reptiles and i mean if you go back reptiles have become more mainstream and, and they continue to become more mainstream but you know you go back to like the early 90s or or even early 2000s, you were like the weird person if you had reptiles. Like you were the weird dude. A lot of people didn't know I had reptiles unless they were like a family or close friends. Like I didn't tell people I had reptiles. I had, <laughs> you know, I never posted pictures of them because like you were not cool if you had reptiles. There was no community of people. There was, but it wasn't like it is today with, with social media. It's being so prevalent with Facebook groups. Facebook used to be for college people only. Uh, you had you, all right. You're the the kid in college with Mitch feeding the you know mouse. Like you're the weird dude. 
So like, you don't tell people you have the reptiles. And there was always kind of like, then you'd go to these reptile shows where you're around a whole bunch of other weird people that shared that similar interest. And they all, I think people who interacted uh, and had similar experiences like yourself where you maybe interacted with an animal and you felt a connection, uh, whether it was in the wild or in a nature center or wherever it could be for, for different people. I think that that was where all the people got together and were like, hey, you know, you're, you're like me, like you like these things too. Um, in some sense, just something, whatever was special about that animal, you found that common interest. Uh, but at the time, again, they were just like a lot of weird people. I mean, there still are a lot of weird people by the sense of weird, like, what is weird and what is normal. Like, who, who cares at that point? But again, it was it was a kind of a unique thing where that was the only way people really got into reptiles is if they had that type of experience, similar experience to what you had, or similar experience to what you're explaining about the youth center with with other kids. Like that was their vice. They found a community through it. And they were able to kind of grow in that community, but it wasn't really publicized. Now it's a little bit more public and again, more mainstream, um, which is good and bad. I feel like a lot of people get into it for the wrong reasons. People get a snake because they think it's going to make them look cool. Uh, I People got into large constrictors. I think it's the worst thing that happens to a large constrictor game is people got large constrictors because they they liked how they felt with that large constrictor, the reactions they got from other people. And I think that that's totally cool until you got like 35 or a hundred reticulated pythons. And you're like, what do I do with all these things? <laughs> so it, it, it's a whole snow. I'm snowballing again, but <laughs> you know, it, it's, I, I, I think reticulated pythons are amazing. I don't have them myself. I used to have them, but I, I don't know how people have, you know, a hundred of them. It's a lot of damn big snakes. Uh, it's easy when they're small, but it's hard when they're older. And why I got a reticulated python was, I one, I thought they were just awesome animals, but I didn't get a reticulated python or a Burmese python for the longest time because I was afraid with how big they got. And at the time, I mean, a 13-foot snake is massive when I was, you know, like a 10-year-old kid. I remember going to a pet store with my father, and he's like, oh, let's get that albino one. It's 325 bucks. And... Uh, <laughs> And it was an albino Burmese python. I'm like, no, dad, I can't get that. It's going to get too big. Mom's going to kill me. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, let's just get it. It'll be cool. I'm like, no, no. I like, but even at that age, I was, I was knowledgeable and I was responsible enough to say, like, no, that's not for me. Uh, knowing what I know now, would I have got that Burmese python? Yes, I would have. But at the time, I was reading the books, and I've never seen a 13 foot snake or a 14 foot snake. You read in the books, they're going to get, you know, 25 feet long and they're the third largest constrictor in the world. And in the wall, they have one painted and it's like the whole damn length of the wall. Uh, mine are not that big. I have seen some that are huge like that, but uh, I, it, it was, again, it was, I, I don't even know where I'm going with this, but it was, it was uh, just like kind of the, 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 the level of knowledge that reptiles and the level of interest that reptiles brought to me through just the interaction and the camaraderie of the people you're around and the the kind of interaction I got with, with my family and my, my parents and my brother and things like that. Uh, that's what I, I think kept continued to draw me towards reptiles even more. Uh, it just kind of was something that was un, you can't, can't describe. It's just there. And some it people is. have that. Some people don't, I guess is where I was going with it. 
Yeah, and it, it's it's easy to tell. I mean, not that we're being stereotypical, but it's 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 a given eye. Like when you see a person walk into your shop, or you know, you're talking to somebody on the phone, and they ask you like, "Do you have any snakes?" And you're like, "What species?" And they're like, "What do you mean, what species?" And I'm like, "Okay, like it's questions like that, like that raise the alert. Like you know, like are you doing it because you want a cool snake? You know, you're just giving me a color. You're giving me what species? And what I do personally, and I don't care if I lose a customer, but I give you a forum of 16 or 10 to 16 websites. And this is including, you know, the, the enclosures you need, the species, the husbandry, temperatures, everything enlisted in the email. And then I send you pictures of the snake after you figured out what species. I tell you, hey, if you want it, man, like do your own research. And, and I'm not being an asshole, but I'm going to send you all of this info. If you read it, then then you let me know if you're ready for it. And sometimes, you know, 50-50, they'll, they'll just not message me back and call somebody else or meet up with somebody else and buy a different snake. I'm totally fine with that. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to preach, you know, or anything, but that's the way I do it. And, and regardless, if you don't like it, man, like I feel like good keepers are always on top of, of that knowledge. Like when I met my, my breeder here in town, Dan, uh, with boas, um, he was very knowledgeable and he brought me into his room, into his own home, you know, and showed me his racks. He showed me his, his enclosures, his snakes. And that's what built that connection. I think it was more of the, like you said, that camaraderie between like keeper to keeper where he even gave me a list of groups of Facebook. He's like, bro, like if you are going to get into it, you want to tap into these Facebook links. You want to start posting your snakes there. And that's going to give you more projection for your snakes. If you do end up wanting to breed. And he was always like keeping with me, you know, and he sells as well rats to me. And uh, right now he, I think he is getting out of the, the rat game, but he was steadily selling to me for months. And uh, that was that connection that I felt like it was a bonding connection. And that's what I want to perceive or show the people that I'm bringing into this, this, uh, you know, hobby, because essentially it is a hobby, regardless of what you, your perspective is of a hobby, you know, it's still a passion because you do it on a daily. It's still something that you do habitually. So it's like for people, it's like advice. Like you said, it's something that they look forward to. And that's, that's what I found home with, with that, man. No, I think reptiles are an, an excellent hobby. If, if people actually enjoy them, um, and, you know, it's, it's, any type of animal can be an excellent hobby as long as you're in it for you know, the right reasons. People, it's, I feel like it's easier to buy a reptile than a dog. For some reason, people look at a dog and they say that's a lot of commitment, but they don't think the same about a reptile, which is unfortunate. Uh, but but to your point, I mean, it's you need to educate yourself, and the the forums are different now. It, it's for me, in some sense, it's hard to relate to a newer keeper because there's so much information. The information is different. You know, I didn't have, there was internet, but I didn't have internet when I was getting into reptiles. There was really no forums. There were no Facebook groups. It was, here's a book, read it. And I'm like, all right. Like you'd look at like three pictures over and over again. And that was again, the albino ball python. It was like, <laughs> that's an awesome picture. I looked at that picture every night for like six months before I was able to buy a snake. Um, you know, and corn snakes. I'm like, I don't even know what these things look like, but I see pictures of them and they're really cool. And I've read this book like six times because it's the only book out there and I'm there's nothing else to read. And uh, it's just a different type of, um, they weren't as available. You couldn't order them and have them be there next day. Pet stores really didn't have reptiles. Uh, had to go out of your way to find a pet store that had reptiles. So it was a little different. And in some sense, I'd like to think I'm still 
in the knowledge of, of what actually keepers are getting into today because I'm in it with them. But it is in some sense like an information overload. There's so much information out there that where the hell do you start? What's right or wrong? Uh, you go on a Facebook group and there's people bashing each other for questions and yeah, it could be a dumb question, but that could be how somebody researches. They just ask a question. They get a whole bunch of answers. And I, I don't, the problem is there's a lot of differing answers. So where do you pick? You just pick the one you like. And it, it's a hard, hard kind of concept to get into. So in some, again, in some sense, like it's, it's amazing because there's so much information, but in the other sense, it's overwhelming for keepers to know where to start, I think, and where to get good information. They really have to be able to do the research. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I like going back to you, brother, like watching every single video that you put out, like it was, it was time consuming, but I, I, when I do something, I feel like I do it to a hundred percent and I get obsessive over it. And then I, I feel like if, if I'm going to continue with it, I'm going to put my time and effort for the future. So I always look at things, you know, for the future. And that was something that I saw, like there was that connection between reptiles and my time because I, I'm the type of person or was the type of person that my schedule was very compact, fast schedule, you know, coming home, doing long drives. Um, honestly, I mean, I, I was, you know, in the, in the wrong roads, brother. I, I was an insurance agent. And uh, on the way back from, from Vegas, I was, uh, you know, selling marijuana, bringing back and forth from, from different st state lines and, you know, doing that side hustle. And it was, uh, it was a fun ride, but it seemed to, you know, hold me back more than it was helping me. And uh, when I was booked into Mojave County, they, they taught me a lot of things there where I, I grew. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, but the, I mean, the good thing is, is you, you, know, you got plenty of time. You said you're 25. So I feel like I didn't really start getting my stuff together until I was about 25. 24, 25 is when I really started to get my stuff together. Prior to that, I was just like, I was, I was just like one bad move away from just a totally different life. But, but at at some point I was everything that I did taught me a lot of really good lessons and I can't regret anything that ever happened because it put me to where I am today, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, man. Everything for you, everything that happens to you is for a reason. If, if you get it from the hand where it's, it's happening for you because it's going to make you a better person, then you have a different perspective in life and nothing to you faces you. And it's like, it's a, it's a great development at that point, I think. Yeah. And I try not to blame anybody for anything. I mean, Everything that happens to me is, is my it's for you. It's for you. Yes, whether whether it's good or bad. Now, there's certainly people that have helped along the way, but uh, even then, it, like you said, it's, it's still a balance. I mean, people are helping along the way, but still, you need to. I feel like I've, I've made a lot of hard decisions and a lot of moves I needed to do uh, that were just mine, and those are the big critical ones that, that kept the thing moving and put me in a good spot. Yeah, man. As long as you you dedicate your life to something and you don't give up on it, I feel like it works out. And I'm young. I might be stupid and naive. I might be preaching to the wrong crowd right now. <laughs> I'm just, having a, just just work harder. Like it's, <laughs> literally, just work harder. If you work harder, it'll pay off. Just, but you have to be consistent. Like what's I always tell people five year plan. Like I don't want to know what you're doing tomorrow. I don't care about next year. Like, five year plan because tomorrow's gone like tomorrow's already done you can't change tomorrow you can you can change some things but tomorrow is not going to change your future unless you get extremely lucky in some crazy sense but 
tomorrow starts the process for what's going to happen next year, which will start the process for what will happen in five years. And I think reptiles are very similar to that. If I buy an animal tomorrow, an animal doesn't make me any money. It doesn't contribute to my business in any way unless I post a picture on social media and all of a sudden all of my Instagrams and everything blow up to be a billion subscribers, which would be luck. But that animal is the five-year plan is that in five years, this is the future of what I'm doing. Uh, but it, that happens in all aspects of life. You know, if everything you're doing, if you want to buy a house, you can't buy it tomorrow if you have no money. Like set a goal. In one year, I'm going to have whatever, $10,000. In two years, I'm going to have the house. In three years, I'm going to sell the house. I don't know. Make your goals and, and, and stick to them. They got to be attainable uh, in some sense. But tomorrow's gone. Five years is the plan. Five years is your target. Year by year, you get closer to that target in anything you do in life. And that that's that's definitely something spiritual, and you're more spiritual than you think, man. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing, man, is is your morning routine is very admirable because you still make time for family. And to myself, I I, I found myself as a young kid, you know, having kids. So a kid was having kids in my perspective. And my daughter, you know, my first daughter went through a lot of a lot of struggle. We were going from home to home and, and uh, we were just facing a rough time and it, it was just our road. <clears throat> but my uh, my way of thinking has changed because of how I've met people or how I focus on my own life or how I, I want to guide my own life with my, my daughters. I might have been strict. I might have been maybe very lenient at, at a sense because I was a kid where I had you know, different emotions than what an adult should have. <laughs> you know, it's like sometimes you, you have to lay that, that fork and that's something that I struggled with where I was, I might've been more strict. I might've not, but now that, and I was told this the other day on a podcast and I think that I might be able to use it, you know, as an excuse <laughs> as until you're 25, you know, you're pretty much just mush. You're, you're just like undeveloped brains that doesn't have any type of sense of development to, to actually grasp onto things. And maybe even older for men, because some women tend to be more smarter than us. <laughs> <laughs> Man, so what do you consider that point where your previous line became your or your previous uh, career became your career or your current path? So what was the point of breeding slash keeping your business that was the switching point? What was the catalyst where it was like, shit, this is this is real. Like this is getting realer by the second. I think when it when I really started to track things. So I was always, uh, you know, 2016 was when I actually started Jason's Exotic Reptiles. But I've been breeding reptiles way before then. Uh, like I said, people didn't even know I had reptiles. I would just sell things online and fauna classified and kingsnake.com and uh, just through word of mouth and Craigslist and stuff. I used to put ads in the want ad, which it doesn't even exist anymore. It's like a paper where you, it was almost like the newspaper, like you'd advertise in the newspaper that you had snakes for sale in a similar way. Um, but I think uh, 2016 was when I actually started Jason's exotic reptiles and I still have my, you know, engineering career and, I do the property and I've always had other side things that I've done, but really it was that I was paying taxes and I'm saying, well, like now I'm making a profit and the government wants their cut. So that was when I started it. And when I actually started tracking my expenses, which I did prior to that, 
I think probably 2010, 2011 or so, I started spending a lot of money on reptiles, investing into them in a different way that I didn't before. I, I was before then too, but uh, you know, 2000, I guess even earlier, early 2000s, 2005, I was still spending a lot of money, but I wasn't, wasn't really paying taxes and I wasn't tracking expenses. And the more I tracked my expenses, I guess 2016 is when it became profitable. And it became the realization that I need to do a better job at tracking everything behind the scenes. So there's a lot of expenses that when you actually write them down and treat it like a business, that was where it switched from a hobby to a career is, or to a business in a sense, where I started actually figuring out how much am I actually spending on this stuff? Oh yeah, I have to pay an electric bill. How much is my electric bill and how much does that contribute? I just drove to a reptile show. I used $200 in gas. I paid $100 for tables. Uh, my displays cost money. Well, at the time I was borrowing them from, from Nerd. Uh, but, but it was like all these expenses that I wasn't tracking and that was when I started to really turn it into a business to figure out, am I even making any money? And how can I reap tax benefits from this? Because yeah, now I am making money, but I really need to track all the stuff I'm spending because I need to pay taxes on income, but I don't need to necessarily pay taxes as long as I have enough loss. And I'm spending a lot of money into this as a hobby am I actually making any money out of this? Like when I actually started tracking, I'm like, shit, I'm not making any money. At the end of the year, I, I thought I made 30,000, $40,000, but I ended up spending 50,000 on new animals and racks and stuff. And that was where it was still a hobby. And, you know, I think everybody's concept of a lot of money is different. Everybody's concept of what they need to live the lifestyle they want is different. Um, I, I probably spend more money than I should but I, I'm also living a lifestyle that I like. Um, but in that sense, I, you know, you can make a lot of money in reptiles. And that was the more I tracked that, the more I understood how to make this business profitable while still keeping it with that hobby mindset. Uh, and that was, that's, I guess, 2016, that time frame when I started tracking things, that's when it turned from a hobby to a business because I realized different ways of becoming profitable doing exactly the same stuff I was doing, but I just needed to track things and switch things and tweak things a little bit. Um, so I don't know if that answered the question. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't, but. Well, man, I mean, as long as you, you kept that record, what I was trying to, to, to ask was like exactly a time frame or a time, like what year do you think was the, the breaking point? 2016? I think 2016. I mean, before then I, I just, I know I was making money. I just wasn't tracking it. Uh, but 2016 is when I actually started really tracking everything, like everything. And before it was just like, all right, I spent X amount on feeders. I track a couple big things. I track my feeders, how much I spent on animals per year and how much I made. And those were my expenses. But there's way more to expenses. There's paper towels. There's cleaners. There's substrate. There's all this other stuff that I didn't account for. Um, but but again, I was always buying animals. I mean, if I look around, I, I probably have half a million to a million dollars worth of animals here based on if I sold them all tomorrow, if I could poof, sell them all tomorrow. I mean, there's probably a million dollars worth of animals around me. I, I'd like, well, maybe I should sell them. You want to buy my animals tomorrow? <laughs> <I'll give> you- <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man. I'm not sure about that, brother. I don't have that type of money yet. 
Yeah, well, if there's any of your subscribers want to buy some animals, let, let them know. <laughs> I got you guys. I'll put, I'll put all of his info in the links down below in YouTube, and as well as I'll share all of his info to you. But he has the most amazing Burmese. And when I fell in love with snakes, brother, it was boas, and that's why I started watching your channel. But then I, I started looking at, at berms, and, I, and I, like, for the longest time, I didn't get a Burmese because I was like, oh, these are huge animals. I need to, to have a space for them. And then I did my research and I was like, shit, like these animals are sick. And then I started working with the babies and selling them myself before I even had one for myself. Or I was just selling to customers. And I worked with them maybe for a couple months, you know, touching them and handling them so they could get tamed out. Because I love that process where they're they're feisty and that I can show that I can bring them down to that level. That's like that that's that that's what I love. And it, it's not because of my ego, but I I just love that rush, that feeling of like bite the hell out of me i don't care i'm still here <laughs> no I, I i can respect that i like i mean burmese pythons i have i'd have a lot more if i had more space for them i just just don't i'm limited on space now so now is now is a different turning point for where i am is i really need to start thinking of what i'm holding back what i'm you know what i'm keeping i thought about for the first time in a long time do i start to sell some of my breeders which i am pretty much against I mean, I have some animals here that are probably like 30 years old. They were adults when I bought them, 10-year-old, 15-year-old adults when I got them. They're still here like 15, 20 years later. Like there's some old-ass animals here. Um, <laughs> you know, so like how can I just sell this animal because it's not relevant? And that was another challenge that I'm at right now is I have animals that I really shouldn't, from a business perspective, be keeping. I should be selling them, but I, I just – to me it's not right to do that like i feel like and then like, you have the the teachers man that teach you your mentors like like yourself like you had those gifts of those animals like where, where they give you a special like retic or they give you a berm like you have to keep it because then you feel guilty like it, this is the only animal that i have and then the, this person passes like this is the only type of you know attachment that i have to him <laughs> that's how i feel like with my teacher like he gave me an asian water monitor and i think he he gets a lot of his animals from kevin mccurley uh, but that was like, that was my entrance into his world. Like he introduced me into his, his little ecosystem. He's type of a raw eater where he has his own fish pond, where he eats out of his pond. He has his chickens. It's just a cycle. And yeah. then he's just a naturalist. And, and that to me where he brought me into his home and, you know, we were just talking shit about what, how we needed to breed or what he knew how to breed or the animals that he bred in the past, like all of that knowledge that he passed on to me, it's like so treasurable because it's like, it's in within that animal too. Like that animal that he gave me, it's attached in some way. It has some type of connection, you know, and I, it's hard to let go of those animals, bro, because it, you develop some type of emotion. <laughs> well, you know, that's it. I look at them and I'm like, but, you know, I, I just I feel like it's not something I should just throw away. Like I wouldn't just go sell my dog because I wanted another one. Yeah, and that's no. why I said like reptiles are thought about differently than than dogs or cats. But I just for me, like I just can't sell it because it's not relevant anymore. Like I still have hypos. And it, now if I cannot give it the standard of care. So, for instance, if something happened to me and I couldn't keep keep these reptiles, that is a different story. But to sell something because it's not relevant or it's not as profitable anymore, I, I'm kind of against that, and I have to stick to my, like my principles, and that's part of it. And that's why you don't really see me selling breeders like the animals here until it's not anymore. 
Um, <laughs> you know, and, and just like people, you know, people are like, oh, you know, you keep buying these animals and they die, you know, but just like people, like not every person is going to live to be 80, 90 years old. Like there's yeah. some people that are going to die when they're infants. It's unfortunate. There's others that are going to be in their teens through just r- routine health. I mean, if we didn't have hospitals, the, we wouldn't be living as long as we do. And I feel the same way about reptiles. It's people will say like, oh, you know, a reptile died at eight years old. It should have died when it was, you know, 30. Now, there's obviously things you can do to, to offset that. Like you probably, if it was under crap care for the first eight years and it dies at eight years, that's different. But there are animals who just die at eight years old. I mean, it's just what happens. There's animals that never make it. I was speaking to a guy who actually just shot me an Instagram message. Uh, his animal, uh, he bred it and gave birth, but it didn't give birth to everything. He ended up bringing it in for surgery because we were talking about it. And it had two uterus. Like, could not have prevented it. That animal, if it bred anywhere in the wild or in captivity, would have died. Now, he got a surgery for it, and the animal is doing okay. But uh, at least last time I checked in, and uh, but it had two uterus. Like, what? Yeah. Like, there's genetic stuff that could be wrong with these animals, and it was yeah. not a crazy morph. I think it was a hypo. Uh, it's not like it was like this ten gene animal. It's just what happens. It's just nature, man. Like you, they find a way. I think that nature is designed in a way where it's like kind of like Jurassic Park, bro. Like it's there's constant evolution that we're not tracking, and I think that they're they are tracking. But you know that's more of the superstitious mindset of mine, where I'm like thinking about what the government controls. <laughs> but it's like I think like you know if if we really study the husbandry like you are, man, like you you realize their habits. You replicate that in nature or however it's happening. There's a lot of things that you figure out. Like these are all just lies that we tell ourselves, you know, it's, it's, there's a higher process of evolution that we might be stopping or certain things like my uh, mentor here, Dan with Boas, he was telling me that he thinks that certain apex predators have a local sense where they don't produce certain animals or certain monitors don't produce certain uh, seasons because they somehow have a sense that there's too many apex predators in the area or that certain species is, is overpopulating that area. So nature won't allow reproduction in some sense. And there has been some studies that are done in ongoing studies, but it's very interesting, I think. Yeah, I, 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 can, I can get on board with that. I mean, I never thought about it in that sense. I know like, like parthogenesis itself is pretty interesting that you know, I've heard concepts of like water monitors, they'd swim to an island and there'll be nobody to mate with. So they'll give birth to male babies so they can breed back to the mother animal, um, it, which which is kind of cool. I don't know how true it is, but it no. sounds like an evolution component of things. Yeah, but, man. It's a, that's very interesting to me. It's yeah. very interesting. And yeah. touching base on animals, brother, the question of the day, you know, it's it's the Spirit Animal Podcast. Who do you resemble yourself as an animal? Like, who, who do you see in nature? And like, it's, oh, shit, that's Jason. Uh, donkey. I don't know. I want to, I, I don't want to be like a, like a cliche and, and go at something. Damn, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. Every everything yeah. that's coming to mind is like I don't want to say that can't be that. <laughs> you have to have it tattooed. <laughs> I mean, I do. I I got. I probably do. I mean, 
I don't know. I guess a snake, but I hate to say that too. Like maybe the boa. Yeah, I I don't know. I I feel like it's um. No, it wouldn't be a snake to be honest. It wouldn't be like oh that's Jason. Um, and I hate to say a snake because like the 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 stigma of a snake is like oh you're a snake, but like which doesn't make any sense because snakes are not really like bad in any way. It's just like for some reason they they got this this word. It's um. I don't know. Uh, a gorilla. <laughs> a gorilla. Yeah. A gorilla. Very, very, very upfront. Very uh, guerrilla. You think you're 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 very uh, receptive to a lot of things. You don't take any shit. Yeah, I guess like I I have no problem. I mean, I stand up for myself. I stand my ground. I'm, I have no problem saying uh, what needs to be said. I don't care if I'm going to hurt your feelings or not. Uh, at the same time, I. I I feel like I, I know what needs to happen in to make other things happen, and if I screw something up, it's my fault. If if I did something wrong, it's because it's an action that I did. So I, I feel like a gorilla, maybe something like that. You know, gorillas like they have that same sense. They they can still care and love for things, but at the same time, they're not going to take shit. They're not going to back down. And uh, maybe a gorilla. very intelligent too. Very intelligent as well. I think I like that. Very intelligent. <laughs> I'm not stroking you, bro. This is just the way I'm feeling about the animal. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, guess, I guess that that would be a, you know a good one. I, I don't know I, the word the ones that came to mind. You know the usual the lions, the tigers. I'm like, nah, that's like cliche. Uh, but I, I'd say a gorilla. I don't know, gorilla yeah, lions ass in the right situation. <laughs> they can kick ass, man. I mean, look at Harambe. He just got killed for nothing. Yeah, you, you know, you're never the strongest thing out there, but, but there's always something stronger, but you still got to kind of always put on that that thing that keeps you moving and, and drives the pack and everything else. So I'd, I'd say that. It's interesting how they, they move, too. Gorillas have a certain pack movement where they're, they're, they're not – they're codependent. You could say they're dependent on each other, but they have some sense of independence where they, they show it and they display it to their young so that they can – somehow have it as well and i feel like that's how we should be more strict on on you know ourselves not just as as one to our own siblings or, or our kids but maybe to our own society you know we should be more real about what we're saying <laughs> i mean I, you know the more i think about it, i'm like i should have thought about that question more but I'm <laughs> with gorilla. i like gorillas gorillas are cool animals so, so this is the thing, brother. So when you think about, and this is why I asked this question first, because it, it re- reveals your true identity. So when I say, who do you think is your spirit animal? In reality, that's your totem animal, because you went to think your aspects, your personality, your traits, that's what you think that's your spirit animal. But in reality, that's, that is who your, your uh, what they call your true nature is, where you come from, or, or that's your essence. So you find yourself more attracted to that animal. Who I seem to define in, in myself, like you, you say, like it's a bit cliche. <clears throat> it's, a, uh, it's a food dog, but it's the guardian of, of the Buddhist temples or the, the imperial temples. And he's a spiritual guardian. He's a lion in their, in their mythology, but he's also half dog. You know, it's like he's half balance and that's what balances earth. And this is the male. So when I die... I have it in my will where I, the female will be tattooed on me because that's the ending of the mandala or the ending of the circle. And that's, that's, thank you, brother. That's, that's like the, the, the essence of like the animal 
you know, that, that represents me as a person. So I think like the gorilla, yeah, that's great. But I think that might be your totem animal. I'm not sure, you know, that's truly up to you or, or what perspective you have. But you have that sense of a lion, bro, where, where it, you stand your ground, you do you, you know, but you're still being fed by your community because they know you're there and you don't stand for the bullshit for nobody. You know, it's like you keep away from the drama. You just focus on yourself. You focus on the grind. You focus on educating us because that's that's really what we appreciate, brother, the knowledge that you've given out. And it's it's crazy because it's free. You know, a lot of the people that are just starting out and they figure out how to breed ball pythons they don't want to share grades or where the, what state they're from how to lower temperatures because they they feel like that's something that's safeguarding them when in reality there's a lot to go around yeah no i appreciate that no and i, and I tell people like draw me a comment give me video topics like if you want to hear something and it's not out there it's not a video drop it like the only problem with youtube which is i struggle with is you have to hit an algorithm you have to hit what people want to see. And a lot of the questions and topics I get are super specific. So I try to weave them into something. Um, but, but yeah, I drop me a comment. I'm happy to try to make some videos. And, and if it can be one of those videos that is appealing to a larger audience, I will thousand percent make it. If not, I will maybe make some, I don't know. I got to start doing some shorts and stuff like that too. So <laughs> maybe that's a good way to, to fit some of that stuff in. Yeah, man, I think I need to work on my YouTube more. I'm releasing the first video for that vlog that we started up here on Monday or Tuesday and then Friday. So I was supposed to do the daily vlog. But honestly, man, it's like I find myself with no content. Like, there's no lie to it, man. Like, I, I it's a simplistic life. And sometimes there's just no events that go wrong. And it feels repetitive to other people. But to me, it's a new adventure every day. You know, it's like, it's hard to, to, to portray the same enthusiasm or to put somebody in my shoes without you actually seeing my life. And I think like the problem is, is that I need a camera guy. Like the angles that I want, they're not there because I'm sticking it on the roof or I'm taping it to the door. Like I need somebody who has movement, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, if you had, if I had a, a somebody shooting videos for me, it, it would be a chore as well. But I bet the videos would be a lot better instead of me yeah. just standing there talking. But again, I like to think the content's there. That's really why I started the channel is to get the, the information to people. It's not to get clicks and it's not to get, you know, a million views. If that happens, awesome. But the whole reason is to help people, to help educate people, to be a source of information. And if people want to learn, I like to think that's what the content's there for. Uh, not necessarily to entertain, but more to learn. And if you're entertained in the process, amazing. I love that. But, uh, but yeah, that's where I struggle is finding that balance between entertainment and education and really the the goal was to educate yeah man and you you established that connection because you're you're allowing yourself to be open to the public like the business guy is still there like there's no public figure that's hiding behind the corporate office like there's this is jason and this is what you get like that's that's more legit than that it can get brother like it, there's a base connection with your customers brother and that's why you you resemble to that 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 same cell tactic and i was going to ask this earlier but i'm like no he explained it because he has his routine and he sells this way and it's with the flow i was going to ask you like do you go with the flow or do you have any business tactics that you might want to share with the public that you keep to yourself i don't really have any business tactics i i guess the only business tactic i have is just be honest be straightforward and and just treat everybody with respect i mean i feel like that's that's what I would like to think my customers would want to be treated like, you know, the, the golden rule is treat everybody how they want to be treated. 
And uh, I, I like to think as long as you hit those, those are the types of people I would like to interact with is others that are like-minded. They enjoy the animals. They want to be treated with respect. They want to be, you know, they want the opportunity if they ask for a picture to see a picture. Like what's so hard about that? Now, I know it gets frustrating. People make jokes and memes about that. But like, <laughs> and I get it because there will be people who will ask for a million pictures and then yep. they'll be fine. But there's also a lot of good people out there that literally just want to see a picture. And like, and I, I love working with those people. I'm sorry, brother, to cut you off. But I love working with those people, man, because they, they, they teach me more because I'm doing the research for them because I like to read about it. Like if, even if it's not a species that I work with, like I've been selling a lot of dart frogs recently because I had some sales at the, the Sunday snake and sips that we do here in town. We take some snakes out to the clubs and we show them to people and I make some sales there. Um, but I get into species that I've never touched. And it, it, honestly, I love that circle because it's something that like I get to touch, but I honestly don't have to pour my entire week into to do it and, and have to do it again and again and again and i find myself attaching myself to certain species where like i can see myself doing this like okay i'm going to get into it regardless if it's selling or not like it's something that's i feel like i develop a real connection yeah no and i i like honestly i like the new keepers i like the first time reptile keeper i really enjoy helping them get into the hobby uh, i love the parents like the father son father daughter or mm. mother mother daughter teams where the mother or the father are buying this the animal with their kid and like this is awesome like i really enjoy that aspect and for a while that's why i've, I've kind of almost steered away from the high-end animals i love the high-end animals i love the high-end sale it's great when you make a three four thousand dollar sale but it's also really cool when you're helping the newer keepers get into the the less expensive animals because they're passionate about it because they're trying to start something with their their son or their daughter and uh, I just I enjoy that whole component of things. Uh, that's how I really connected with reptiles when I was younger. Is it I feel like it brought my mother and my father kind of closer to me with that interaction. It was something we could now they have they want nothing to do with reptiles, but it was <laughs> it was something we did together in different aspects. And uh, I just I guess I appreciate that when I see parents doing that for their kids because I know what it did for me, and I think that that's I enjoy that. So, but in terms of sales tactics, I don't have any. I'm just, you get, you, you, or you see, you get what you see, you get what you see. And uh, I just try to be honest and, and open. And if you give me a question, I'll, I'll do my best to answer it uh, or point you in the right direction. And I don't want to upsell anybody. I'd say people will tell you that uh, that might be a fault is somebody will say, hey, I want this animal and I could sell them something. I could easily sell people something, but I don't want to upsell somebody. I don't want to sell somebody something that uh, that they isn't right for them. And I do that all the time. Don't get me wrong, bro. <laughs> I got upsell a lot, and I I don't feel bad about it because at the end of the day, if this person is is willing enough to purchase this animal for me for this amount, I know that they're going to put that care in. And to be honest, I'm going to be honest with you. Our reptile shops here in town, the prices are way above Morph Market. And sometimes you run into to some animals where, yeah, they're they're good and decent, but everybody's trying to upsell. So if yeah. I'm going to give you my time of day and be, and I'm not I'm not like yourself, brother. Like if if you want to talk to me and you reach out to me, I'm going to give you the time of day. Like for example, <clears throat> the white snake that uh, we had, uh, I don't think I purchased it with you, did I? 
yeah. was an ivory uh, an ivory I sent you, and and to my customer, um, he had an ivory with with three abscesses on the neck, and you had said it might have been fat deposits. So yeah. when the snake shed out, the fat deposits went away. They haven't shown up or anything. And I told him, I was like, if if you if you restrict the diet, maybe for fifteen days, maybe to just get him back on track to see maybe if he has just a higher, you know, retention of fat or something is going on. And I told him, you know, go ahead and call the vet. Make sure to call the vet and take him to the vet, or I can take him or schedule him for you. And that's how far I'm willing to go because that's the animal that I put in my hands. You know, like I'm not going to just let him die. Yeah, yeah, no, but yeah. no upselling. I mean, is like. Um, Upselling is maybe not the right word, but if somebody comes <laughs> look, looking at looking for an albino from me, um, I'm not going to try to sell them a blood. Like if they want a blood, I will sell them a blood. I will say this is the animal, but I'm not. If they don't want that animal, I don't mm. want to force it on them. I don't want to try to sneak in a sale. Somebody else will want that animal, and I feel like that's that's a, a level of trust and integrity that Definitely. I with people who have purchased from me, and I have a lot of repeat customers for that reason is I feel like when they come to me, they know that if I don't have what they are looking for, I'm just going to tell them I don't have it. I have these animals I could sell you, but if, if you don't like them, like, hey, go somewhere else. I want you to get the right animal. You're going to have this animal for a long time. It's important that you get what you want and not what I'm trying to sell you. Exactly. Um, you know, and, and, and that's that's what we give. We give some certain you know forms. Like, for example, the, the guy that I sold to, that, that white snake, he asked me, you know, what's the best snake for, for our size family? You know, it's just my daughter and myself, and, and I want to have something that I can manage and something that I can hold every day and is, is tame or has some type of, of calm, you know, demeanor. And I pointed them towards a Burmese because, honestly, bro, like, they're very underestimated, I think. You know, yeah. it's kind of like a ball python in, in, in a sense to me, but they have more of an inquisitive nature, I think. I think Burmese can, and I made it in my video, I think Burmese can be excellent pets, whether you are a very experienced keeper or a brand new keeper. Uh, I think Burmese can, and, and I didn't, I mean, we went into the story about the albino Burmese python. I was afraid of it because the stuff I was reading and the stuff people were telling me, and it, it, and I wish I bought one sooner because once I actually had one, I realized that a lot of what I read and what I heard was incorrect. And that's why I think they can be good pets. It's really... Are you prepared for what you're getting? And Absolutely. that's no different than a dog, a small dog versus a large dog. Are you prepared for what you're getting? You shouldn't get one over the other as long as you're prepared for it. You're prepared for it. Go get whatever you want. Don't get a cobra, though. That's maybe not very smart. <laughs> I have false water cobras, but, I mean, they're, they're not venomous. <laughs> they're just rear-fanged. <laughs> With a family of kids, probably shouldn't be getting a spitting cobra. Like, it's not very smart. But if yeah. you're prepared for it, I guess more power to you. Go for it. You know, like here, there's a tons of Gila monsters and, and you know, the, the beaded lizards. They're beautiful, man. And I enjoy them more in nature because when I go out on my walks or if I go hiking, I see them. They're everywhere. That's and it's awesome. like, I don't have to keep them in a box. Like, I can just go in my backyard and look at them, you know, and they're just in their habitat. I'm going to have to come visit you soon because that sounds pretty awesome. You do, man. You do have to come down. We, we are planning something here soon, so I'd like to get you involved in that here, having something like a big breeder convention at a bar or something. That would be awesome, especially at the bar. Let's all get, you know, let's get, get hammered together and go look for Elamont. <laughs> <laughs> Just make some mushroom, take some peyote, and we'll have yeah, some fun. <laughs> Call me in. <laughs> but full disclosure, my computer is blanking low battery. I feel like I got, it says I have 
Uh, I got 15 minutes. I got 15 minutes till it dies on me. But uh, definitely, brother. Well, we're gonna go ahead and cut it here to this last question. Um, favorite animal that you keep? It is probably a T-positive boa constrictor. Um, I have a lot of them, but that's the one that comes to mind. Is she? She's a T-positive boa. Something about her. If any time somebody asks me what's your favorite animal, that's the animal that comes to mind. So she has to be my favorite animal. Uh, she's just awesome. I've had her since 2010-ish or so, and she's actually pregnant right now. And I have babies from her, and I have babies of her babies, and I just she's just an awesome animal. So that's definitely the one. I don't have any T paws boas. I do have T neg retics. Do they retain the same type of color, or are they darken as well, or they're different? different they're more of a so it's commonly like a caramel so more of a caramel color uh they mm. still have their pattern in and it's different than this is a burke line t positive so different than like a vpi t positive there's different lines of t positive with boa uh, this one to me she's just a beautiful animal as babies they don't look that great but as they grow and their scales enlarge and their colors dull they dull to like a lavender purplish pinkish um hues orangey colors and she's just t positive animals are like my favorite Be, besides i like t negative but t positive i think is where it's at yeah there's a, my a breeder here in town i think he loves that vpi t pause or t neg but yeah. he's into to a lot of that vpi line yeah man well i do want to thank you brother for tonight it was a great talk you know a lot of revelation between my own spirituality and what thoughts i had you know, sometimes it does take, you know, the experienced guy to show the, the naive bullshitter to actually stay firm and continue on the journey. <laughs> well, we're all experienced in our own way. So, let's, you know, we'll, 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 as long as we stick together, we'll all be moving forward in the right path. Absolutely, brother. Well, I do want to thank you, brother. It was a pleasure that you hopped on. I'll go ahead and talk to you here in a couple minutes. I'm going to go ahead and continue here with this episode. As well, brother, it was a pleasure and much love. Awesome, bro. Good. Thank you for having me on. Looking forward to doing it again. Absolutely, brother. We'll bring the wives on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, bro. Thank you so much for joining. As well, this was the conclusion of this episode. You guys have a wonderful night. Always much love.